This message is presented by Pastor Chuck Wilson. Okay, here we go. Chuck Wilson, New Hope Community Church. And we are up to Daniel chapter 8. Getting interesting with all the different prophecies. The title for today is Where Are We Headed? Daniel 8, 1 to 8 and 15 to 22. One of the biggest questions in life, what's going to happen to us? What's going to happen to us personally? What's going to happen to our country? What's going to happen in the world? Lots of different questions. Many people turn to horoscopes. I call them horror-scopes. Or to New Age practices, which are really just a New Age, but they're really an old, same old lie, just repackaged. They really have no clue. Only God knows what's going to happen. And we see this in Daniel chapter 8 where that is proven very, very clearly. Imagine you're in history class and you have an exam. And an angel shows up just before the exam and gives you all the answers to the test that's coming up. Can you imagine how exciting that would be? How about before it even happened, if you got the answers to a test? That's what happens here with Daniel in Daniel chapter 8. That's exactly what happens with Daniel. Now, let's review real quickly. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in Babylon. They're captives. They're protected. They're faithful. They're blessed. And we talked about when bad things happen, is God still in control? Yes, that's the answer. We see amazing prophecies. We've already seen several amazing prophecies showing how God is in control, not just of our lives, but of the world events that are going on. He knows what will happen. He's working everything for our good, no matter what does happen. We saw in Daniel chapter 2, the the statue of the four different metals, which represented Babylon, the Medes and Persians, the Greeks, Rome, and then the revived Roman Empire. We talked about that. Then in chapter 7, we see the same vision, but this time there are four different beasts. Uh, God is reinforcing it, four different beasts, and also the ultimate beast we talked about. Then in, now we're in chapter 8, and we see two animals. And this time we're not going to see Babylon, the gold or uh, the gold head, and um, the, uh, what was the animal? Let me pull it up here real quick. The lion, we're not going to see that because that is present time for Daniel here. He's just going to be shown the next two kingdoms in more detail. Going to go into more detail with the Medes and Persians and the Greeks. And then we're going to also end with the Antichrist, a type of the Antichrist back here with the Greeks. Uh, This vision that Daniel gets here goes into more detail on the next two kingdoms. Babylon is almost finished. It's almost wrapping up. What's next for Israel? The exile is almost over, as we're going to see as we keep going through Daniel. And they're going to be back in the land, the promised land, via the Medes and Persians that are going to allow them to go back, going to encourage them and help them go back. But there will still be, when they get there, still be persecution from the Greeks, as we're going to see prophesied, as we see happen in history as we go through this more and more. Now, the language shifts here in the chapter 8. We go from Aramaic to Hebrew. Aramaic was the worldwide language, but now it shifts back to Hebrew, just like the book of Daniel started with Hebrew, it shifts back to Hebrew. Why? Because the focus now is on Israel. He's going to zero in on Israel, focus on God's people and world history. Israel has always been the belly button of the world ever since God chose them as his chosen people. Even today, this little tiny country, look at it, you can hardly find it on the map. And yet the whole world revolves, the, the news all revolves around this little country of Israel just as God promised Ezekiel 5, 5. Uh, he, he said that's going to be the, the center of the nations is the land of Israel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and the assurance we get from your word and that by studying your word and, and seeing the promises that you make that we know that we can trust you. 
We know we can trust your purposes. We know that your purposes can't be thwarted, can't be stopped. Just pray that this would really encourage us, Father, and prepare us for what we're going to face. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Daniel 8. Let's read it. Daniel 8, verse 1. Daniel's vision of a ram and a goat. In the third year of King, King Belshazzar's reign, I, Daniel, had a vision after the one that had already appeared to me. In my vision, I saw myself in the citadel of Susa and the province of Elam. In the vision, I was beside the Ulai Canal. I looked up, and there before me was a ram with two horns standing beside the canal, and the horns were long. One of the horns was longer than the other, but grew up other but grew up later. I watched the ram as he charged toward the west and north and south. No animal can stand against him and none could rescue from his power. He did as he pleased and became great. As I was thinking about this, suddenly a goat with a prominent horn between his eyes came from the west, crossing the whole earth without touching the ground. He came toward the two-horned ram I had seen standing beside the canal and charged at him with great rage." I saw him attack the ram furiously, striking the ram and shattering his two horns. The ram was powerless to stand against him. The goat knocked him to the ground and trampled on him, and none could rescue the ram from his power. The goat became very great, but at the height of his power, his large horn was broken off, and in its place, four prominent horns grew up toward the four winds of heaven." Down to verse 15. While I, Daniel, was watching the vision, trying to understand it, there before me stood one who looked like a man, and I heard a man's voice from Uli calling, Gabriel, tell this man the meaning of the vision. As he came near the place where I was standing, I was terrified and fell prostrate. Son of man, he said to me, understand that the vision concerns the time of the end. While he was speaking to me, I was in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. Then he touched me and raised me to my feet. He said, I'm going to tell you what will happen later in the time of wrath because the vision concerns the appointed time of the end. The two-horned ram that you saw represents the kings of of Media and Persia. The shaggy goat is the king of Greece and the large horn between his eyes is the first king. The four horns that replaced the one that was broken off represent four kingdoms that will emerge from his nation but will not have the same power. Woo! Amazing stuff here. This is a vision. And if you have your own Bible, make sure you have that out. Hit the pause button. Read that. Look at that. Study that because it's pretty wild stuff. The vision is in the third year of Belshazzar. So we know that that is 551 B.C. 551 B.C. It's 12 years before chapter 5, which we saw already. Chapter 5 and the fall of Babylon. Remember the, the handwriting on the wall, the finger, the handwriting on the wall and the fall of Babylon. It's 12 years before that. Daniel has this vision that once again goes into more detail on chapter 2 and the statue and chapter 7 and the four beasts. This goes into more detail and, and gives more of what's going to be happening. He Daniel is transported to Susa, to Susa, which is the royal palace of Persia. 200 miles east of Babylon. He's, it's pretty wild. He's transported, whether he's transported physically or in, in, uh, in spirit, we're not sure. But this is long before Star Trek, long before the movie Jumper. Uh, he was taken by God there. And also long before Susa was even important. That's the incredible thing here. Long before. At this point when Daniel has this vision, it's just another city. It's not the world's capital until after Babylon falls. All right. Where else do we find Susa in the Bible? 
uh, the home of Esther. That's where Esther was living. All right. She was there. And also Nehemiah before he left for Palestine, before he w was sent by the Persians, allowed to go back to Palestine. So we see Susa there. But Daniel has this vision long before that. And we look at the vision that he has. And if we look to the right of me, I think Sarah will put it to the right of me. I'm going to be looking to the left because I have it on my computer screen. But the, the diagram shows all the different dreams. It shows chapter 2, chapter 7, chapter 8, and then we're going to look at chapter 11 and 12 later on. But the three different chapters, three different visions that he has. Once again, there is a gold head for Babylon, if you see to my on the screen. And then it's the lion in chapter 7. But in Daniel 8, there's nothing. Why? Because that is present day for Daniel, and it's almost over. Babylon is almost finished, 12 years from their demise, from God removing them. Uh, but so he, we see, first of all, the ram here in this diagram. Verse 20, the two-horned ram that you saw represents the kings of Media and Persia. Media and Persia, okay? That was the, the, uh, the statue was the silver, remember, the silver arms. The uh, the animal was the bear. Remember the bear that was raised up on one side? And that was the bear in chapter 7. And now we see here it is uh, represented by the ram with two horns. Okay, two horns. One is longer than the other horn. Why? Because Persia was dominant. Persia was dominant. It was a partnership, but <laughs> one was dominant. Uh, it went west, north, and south. Historically, that's, those are the directions that the Persian kingdom, the conquest went. They didn't go east. They went west, north, and south. The ram was very important to Persia. Very important to Persia. The guardian spirit of Persia was portrayed as a ram. When the king of Persia went into battle, he carried a ram's head as, as, as on his standard. That's what he carried to go into battle. And also the ancient, ancient zodiac system. We didn't invent the zodiac. It's been around a long time. It's demonic. Anyway, the ancient zodiac system assigned constellations to, uh, when I say the demonic part, the horoscope part, the predicting the future through the stars, that's the demonic part, not that there's stars up there. But the ancient zodiac system assigned constellations to countries. In Ariel, the ram was Persia. Persia, okay. So guess who they assigned to, uh, they assigned Capricorn, the goat to? Greece. Greece, right? And look at the picture once again over here. I'm looking this way. Uh, the, the, the brass, the, the, in chapter 7, it was the, the, the four-headed leopard with the wings. And here it is the goat with one horn in the middle. Okay, now it's the goat. And why is there one horn on the goat? Because of the, the real goat, the greatest of all time, Alexander. Alexander was the original goat. Greatest of all time, okay? He was an amazing conqueror through God's help. The goat, verse 21, says, The shaggy goat is the king of Greece, and the large horn between his eyes is the first king. One horn is very unusual for a goat. Goats have two horns, but he has one in the middle. He's really a unicorn goat, right? Unicorn. And that's Alexander the not-so-great. <laughs> in God's eyes, not-so-great. He was fast. The kingdom was fast. His feet didn't touch the ground. He conquered the whole known world very, very quickly. And then he wept because there was nothing left to do. He attacks the ram and he's mad. He was in a rage. He, they, the Greeks hated the Persians because they had invaded them so many times. The story of the 300 
Persians invading Greece many, many times, and the GOAT by now was mad, including the G-O-A-T of all time, Alexander. If When a GOAT gets mad, you got to watch out. On the farm, we had GOATs, and uh, usually they're pretty mild-mannered, at least the, the, the female, the nannies, but the billies, boy, if they got mad, you had to watch out. They always wanted to come at you with their horns, button you with their horns. Even the little babies are the cutest things ever. They got these little nubs, and but they would come up and push on you, and you push back. We used to tease them, get them all riled up, and they would just come right at us and bang into us with their little nubs and we used to have the best time they thought they were big stuff attacking us uh we didn't do it when they got bigger and but they also then they got stinky like a skunk that's a whole nother story i've told that before so <clears throat> he alexander the goat wins but notice what happens after that happens the big horn breaks off Alexander conquered the world, but he couldn't conquer his, himself. He was a party animal. He got a really big head. He demanded to be worshipped as a god. His troops rebelled. They didn't like that. He get, he's drunk all the time. He finally dies at 32 years old as a drunkard in Babylon. And four generals divide. That's why the four horns grow up. Four, the four generals divided his kingdom up. Daniel is given this vision. And then he's given an interpretation, which we already read, 15 to 22. And look who gives him the interpretation. Gabriel. Gabriel the angel. Gabriel, he's the first holy angel named in the Bible. The first one. And if you do a study, you see that it means strong man of God. That's what Gabriel means. There are, he's also in another very important place. Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, he announces Mary, baby Jesus, he's the special messenger. Uh, there's also another uh, good angel named in the Bible, his name is Michael. We're going to see Michael coming up here in Daniel 10 and da in Daniel 12. He is the protector of Israel, he fights for God's chosen people. There's some bad angels, there's only four angels named in all of scripture. Four. Uh, there's also two bad ones, we looked at the two good ones, but there's two bad ones, we know that Satan or Lucifer is also named. We all know who he is, the devil. And also in Revelation 9, Apollyon, the destroyer, is also named. The destroyer, although maybe that's a description, we're not quite sure, but four angels, countless angels, countless millions of angels, and only four are named, only two good ones and four total ones. Why? Why are only two good angels named? Because they're not important. <laughs> I didn't say they don't do an important job. They're very, very important to us. Very important. But who they are is not important. They are servants of God. Their job is to glorify God and to serve us. Hebrews 1.14 are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who inherit eternal life. They are ministering spirits. They're, sent, they are, they're there to help us and to protect us. Guardian angels. Angels that are watching over us. Uh, and so that's why they're not named because who they are is important. What they do is very important. But that, that's why this whole angel worship that comes, comes up a lot and, and the preoccupation with angels and the New Age movement, it's, it's, it's worthless. They don't want to be known. Only the Satan and the demons want to be known. They end up getting worshipped through idols and stuff. But the God's angels don't want to be known. They're like, they're like the, the players without, with just a number on their back but no name on their back. That, those are the angels. And Gabriel explains the whole issue of Media Persia and Greece 
and how there's going to be a persecutor coming through the Greeks, which will be a picture of the Antichrist. It's a person in history, but it's really a picture of the Antichrist, as we'll see next. We're not. We're going to do two shorter talks this time because there are two distinct parts to chapter 8, and also it would have been a little too long. Wait till we get to the next part. You'll see what I'm talking about. So I'm going to cut this shorter, but I just wanted to set up the rest of chapter 8 by saying this. Where is the world headed? Only God knows. Only God knows. God knows where the world is headed. He knows it. In fact, Josephus, the historian, uh, we've referred to him many different times, he's talking about this very chapter. He says, Daniel also wrote and left behind what, what made manifest to accuracy and undeniable veracity of his predictions. He was in Susa, what would befall his countrymen after generations. He saw a he-goat. Uh, Daniel, talking. I'm just reading you some highlights. Daniel saw these visions on the plain of Susa. Daniel also wrote concerning the Roman government and that our country would be made desolate by them. All these things did this man leave in writing as God showed them to him insomuch that such as read his prophecies and see how they have been fulfilled may thence discover how the Epicureans are in error who cast providence out of human life and do not believe God takes care of the affairs of the world, nor that the universe is governed and continued in being by that blessed and immortal nature, but say that the world is carried along of its own accord. But the forementioned predictions of Daniel, by those predictions of Daniel, these men seem to me very much to err from the truth who determine that God exercises no providence over human affairs, for if that were the case, we should not see that all these things would come to pass according to his prophecy. He's saying that the people the people who believe in the watchmaker God, he set it up on the watch and let it go and doesn't have anything more to do with the world. The watchmaker God people are in error. They're in this, these prophecies of Daniel prove, many people today still think God doesn't have anything to do with this, that these prophecies of Daniel prove that God is in control. He still cares about our lives. He still cares about this world. And he's in control. And as bad a mess as we're making of it, he's constantly nudging it and pushing it and directing it toward his final purpose and in our lives Romans 8:28 toward his good purpose. We know that Romans 8:28 says for we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. We know God is in control. He's he's it's an encouragement. He's no matter what happens, no matter what we do, no matter what happens, he's constantly still going to accomplish his purpose in and through our lives. God has a plan for this world. He has a plan for the United States today. We may not like it. He has a plan for our lives. And and we can either be yeah, it's either yes or we'll be kicking and screaming, but either way, either way we're going. I remember the first time taking Megan uh, on this big roller coaster. I think it was Six Flags. It was uh, uh, the car. I think that's Six Flags. But I remember her being on that roller coaster. And she loved roller coasters, but this was really scary. She was young at the time. And I remember she was like screaming and kicking and going crazy the whole time. Screaming, screaming. But it didn't matter. That roller coaster was going where it was going. And, and I was just sitting there laughing, enjoying it. And she's screaming and screaming. And that's the choice. We can either enjoy the ride or we can kick and scream. But either way, God's going to take us where he wants us to go. All right? Think of Jonah. All right? And the whale. Uh, big fish, big fish. And then uh, this is also encouraging, but this is also hope for us. Hope that as we pray for someone, God is going to accomplish his purpose. No matter how big a mess, whether it's a rebellious kid or whatever, God's got him on that line and he's reeling him in. He's going to accomplish his purpose purpose for them. If you're in ministry and frustrations, God is going to be reeling people and accomplishing his purpose. And this also gives us great confidence 
in God's Word. Confidence in God's Word, the same God of prophecy, is in control of our lives, of our world and our lives. God has a plan for our church. I know our church, and I'm sure lots of churches you're all part of, are going through roller coaster rides, not even meeting. We finally had our first service outside last week. It was great. We're on the farm. Uh, it, was, it was awesome, super, super time. But it was like a big reunion. <clears throat> it's like our first service, really. I remember our first service 20 years ago. It was just like that. But <clears throat> God, we are on a roller coaster. All churches are on a roller coaster. We don't know what's going to happen, but God is in control. <laughs> we just got to you know, laugh and enjoy it or kick and scream, but God is in control. So I'm going to wrap it up here because we got a real big chunk to deal with next time and I feel like it would be too much for one talk. But let me just end with prayer. Father, I just, just pray that we would realize that you are in control. And even when it's scary and we're going up and down and not going the direction we want to be going, that we still know that you are in control. We will trust you, whether it's kicking or screaming or, or experiencing joy and peace, Lord. I just pray that we would realize you are in control. I pray that, Lord. And I pray that if anybody is listening to this have never put their faith in Jesus, never given their life to you, God, trying to keep their control, that they would surrender their life to you. They would pray the prayer of faith that God says, God, I believe, I repent of my sin, of my own agenda, of my own life. I put my faith in Jesus, his death on that cross for me. I put my faith in him. I give my life to him. I pray that every one of us would take that step of faith. And for those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, Lord, our prayer would be, God, I surrender. I surrender to your plan. I'm just going to hang on to the roller coaster. <laughs> take me where you want to take me. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, get ready. Read the rest of chapter 8 and be ready. It's going to be very intense. A lot more that we're going to deal with next time. Okay? Thank you.